Welcome to the 33rd episode of the Cranky Flyer interview. Today I'm talking with Kevin Jackson, Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer at Porter Airlines. Kevin and I go way back to when we worked at America West together. So when I found out the team at Porter was bringing an airplane out to LAX in advance of the airline's January 16th inaugural to do some media interviews, I jumped on the opportunity. This was a momentous occasion for me. It was the first time ever that I've conducted an actual across the aisle interview. We grabbed the aisles in row 33, the Embraer 195E2's last row, and talked shop. Let's get into it. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, Brett. Thanks so much. Glad you're here with us here in LA. Yeah, so you brought this airplane in here today to show it off, to do a little preview for the locals. Uh, service starts uh, next week, right? That's right. It starts on Tuesday of next week. And so this is uh, a very long airplane. We were just talking about this. Uh, it is, uh, it's two and two, so it doesn't actually hold a huge number of people. But back here in row 33, you really get this sense of just how big this airplane is. Well, it's 132 seats, so it is competing with, uh, you know, the Max 8s and uh, A320s in that general realm of fleet type. Uh, but yeah, in a two-by-two two configuration, and that's what the passengers love about it. Yeah, well, the no middle seat thing is always welcomed by everyone, uh, I, I think, unless you have like a party of three, <laughs> but for the most part. Depending on who your friends are, you might actually like that configuration. That's, yeah, that's another good point. Uh, but so, you know, sitting on this airplane, what I really want to do is back up a little bit here, yeah. because Porter's been around for a long time, but this airplane has not. Right. Um, you know, Porter was a... Uh, all turboprop operator. It was almost entirely about Toronto City, Billy Bishop, um, you know, flying there. You placed this order for airplanes years ago. When when was it originally placed? Uh, this order was solidified in late 2020, and we announced it in the summer of 21. All right, so you've just been talking about it for years, I guess, because you're trying to use jets at the at Billy Bishop. Yeah, right? we oh, yeah, so. so we I would say this is growth plan number 3 <laughs> because in roughly 2013 we attempted to bring what was the CS100 at the time, now the Airbus A220 to Billy Bishop Toronto City Airport uh, and ultimately that required the jet ban to be lifted at that airport and was decided to not happen. And so we moved on from that plan and in Roughly 2018, 2019, we were working quietly behind the scenes on another growth plan that ultimately was very close to being announced and then COVID decided to happen. And so when we were in the middle of COVID, the plans that we were working on in, you know, 18, 19, uh, now was kind of re redeveloped under the context of what was coming on and going on in COVID. And certainly a much bigger plan than we had ever thought uh, was announced as a result of that. So the, the plan in between was a, it was just all A380s, right? That was oh, the, yeah. yeah, A380s from the island airport. Perfect, yeah. yeah. No, so that was a smaller plan. And, and so, I mean, what shifted during COVID where you decided, no, we need, we need to go much bigger? Well, I think you have to think of the Canadian landscape in 2019. Uh, it was a very mature space. And COVID blew up the industry in many ways and created an opportunity for us that never could have happened as it you know, is today uh, in the way the world operated in 2019. Um, we weren't able to expand from Billy Bishop. Uh, Pearson, Toronto Pearson was a full airport, uh, slot controlled airport and limited access to slots. Uh, 
And so we were really looking at opportunities outside of Toronto. Uh, but Toronto being our hometown, uh, COVID created two major things that happened. Number one, aircraft manufacturers were very interested in doing aggressive deals and it allowed us to put together a nice big order of up to 100 aircraft with the Embraer 195E2. So that presented a scale opportunity for us. Uh, and then the other was that Pearson Airport started to have availability on the slot side because of what was happening with COVID. And so those two things came together and allowed us to really think big about what we wanted to do. And so now, you know, we can talk about what that big plan is, but we're 29 aircraft delivered into that order of up to 100. And 29 sounds like a lot of airplanes, yet you're like a quarter of the way through. Yeah. I mean, with... So yes, let's talk about this this growth plan. I mean, where you've got Florida, you've got domestic Canada, longer haul that you couldn't do with the props. Now you're getting into LA, San Francisco, elsewhere. You know, seventy more airplanes coming. Like, what does this look like fully built out? You got to start with the origins. Twenty nine turboprops, the Dash Eight, still operating today across Eastern Canada with its primary operation at Billy Bishop, but we have. You know, good size operations in Ottawa and Montreal and Halifax as well with that aircraft. And uh, it's a good, solid, strong, profitable operation for us. So there's the base. And then from there, you get to bring the E-195 into a whole new development of the network, you know, complementing the Dash 8, and now thinking this as a fully integrated, uh, you know, hub and spoke network with its core base in Eastern Canada. So. The Billy Bishop, still turboprops, always will be, can't bring jets to Billy Bishop. Built Now the first deliveries of the E-195, we're bringing them into Pearson, a number of destinations across Canada, every major city now, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Victoria in the west, we're doing Ottawa, Montreal, Halifax, St. John's in the east. So we spent 2023 building out that core domestic trunk network, and then here uh, in the back half of 2023, we just started to develop some of the U.S., and so what you're seeing us do is building out Pearson, we're building out Ottawa, we have a number of uh, jet departures going to Western Canada and into the Florida out of Ottawa. You've seen us now announce out of Montreal's Trudeau Airport, we're now flying to the West or will be this summer, uh, similarly to those West Coast markets. We're starting to deploy the E-195 on some traditional Dash 8 routes in the East that have always been successful routes for us that now we can add this capacity from the jet into those and build that out further. You know, something we haven't talked about yet is the development of St. Hubert Airport in Montreal. We could probably spend a few minutes on that, but you know, that in of itself will consume a number of aircraft. So, 100 aircraft deployed at Pearson, Ottawa, Trude Ottawa, Montreal, Trudeau, Montreal, St. Hubert, and Halifax across Canada into the U.S. And eventually, we'll probably see us expanding into a, a good hub operation out of the West, but we are not really focused on that just yet. If you're talking about the eastern part of Canada, domestic and U.S., I assume with this airplane, you can go further, you know, in the winter, other sun destinations, Caribbean, Mexico, that kind of thing. This aircraft is great because from eastern Canada, we can go all the way to the west coast of the U.S., west coast Mexico. We can go down into the Central America, the northern parts of South America, and most of the Caribbean. So we've got a lot of runway of destinations to expand into with this aircraft. Would you 
is Europe anywhere on the radar? I mean, I imagine from Halifax, you might be able to make it. <laughs> no, we're not paying attention to that right now. Okay. You know, we're, our focus really is in North America. There are years of growth ahead of us just focusing on North America. All right. So let's, let's talk about North America a little more because the Canadian market is, is kind of the Wild West these days. There's a lot going on. You have a lot of airlines. Usually a pandemic comes, you think you might lose airlines, yeah. but yet somehow... Created opportunities. You have all kinds of airlines that are actually flying in Canada. So you mentioned that uh, slots became available in Toronto. Yeah. I assume a lot of that is is with WestJet sort of refocusing on the, the western half of the country more, or I mean, was so, it some of it's WestJet? But there's you know there are other carriers there that just a lot of carriers in Toronto Pearson that ultimately created some capacity there. Some of it is WestJet, not all of it. Yeah. Um, and we're just getting started. I mean, we're, we're, there's a process by which you have to acquire these slots. It will occur season by season and it will take a few years for us to develop that exactly how we want to do it. But it's also why you're seeing us deploying aircraft into other markets. We're, we're not only focused on Toronto, we're focused on Ottawa as well and Montreal. So we've got a lot on our plate. You do have a lot on your plate, which is something that you know, I think in general can be a concern because <laughs> you have to do it all right and yeah. you have to make money doing yeah. it. Yeah. But, you know, what what can you say about the results so far of the expansion? So uh, Toronto, of course, there's a lot of capacity that's sitting in Toronto. Uh, well, you t you've talked about the other carriers that are coming into the market. Um, you look at the core trunk routes in Canada. So like Toronto, Vancouver's six Canadian carriers going after that market right now. So we all understand that there's a lot of capacity that's occurring there. So a lot of capacity is driving low fares, it's benefiting the consumer. Uh, and all of us are working our way through that. At this point, we're focused on out of Toronto, especially domestically building out that frequency. What is, what is important for us and always has been since 2006 when we started is corporate travel. We have a corporate travel strength that was certainly important to the original call it Porter 1.0. It will be for Porter 2.0 as well. Uh, and so that's what we're focused on there. Um, but Florida, we're just, you know, we're, what are we, two months into Florida right now? Christmas was great. Uh, we're looking at the spring bookings right now. Some great periods there. There's a lot of capacity in Florida as well. Yeah. We're here now, you and me, we're in LA, but we're getting ready to do LA and San Francisco. Those are just getting started. So um, Pearson, that, that's the Pearson front. Let, let's talk a moment though about Ottawa. Ottawa is interesting with the jet deployment because Ottawa has been an underserved market in Eastern Canada. It's a hub in Montreal. There's a hub in uh, for Pearson. So a lot of carriers have treated Ottawa more as a spoke. Uh, Ottawa has been important to Porter since day one. It was our first market. Uh, it, it has always been critical. And so we're building a hub operation there. Last year alone, we announced 10 destinations. We're up to 14 there. Uh, and we're seeing really good performance out of Ottawa for us. So. You're going to continue to see us uh, invest there. We like how those markets are developing, and we like how the profitability profile is building in Ottawa. How, let's stop for a sec on Ottawa there. Why do you think it is that it's been underserved? I mean, you have a ton of low-cost carriers that are looking for any place they can serve, um, you know, if the price is right, I suppose. Um, but, you know, in Ottawa, is it that it's much more of a, a business profile in that market or Ottawa's an interesting market you know we, you and I are sitting here in the US and we can kind of think of it in a DC context right, right. there's um, you've got the nation's capital so you've got government traffic a lot of business traffic from the government itself from those who want to interact with the government 
Um, the, the local population is a wealthy population, well-educated. They like to travel. So while it's not a large market, it's a nice market in its profile of good business, good um, focus on leisure due to the, you know, the income of the community that is Ottawa. And it's an interestingly positioned geographically because it's a great connecting point from all of those markets to the east of Ottawa into Ottawa to the west and to the south, avoiding where Canadians hate going through Pearson or they want to avoid Montreal. It's a, it's a great airport. Much of, You and I might think of DCA in that context. Right? Yeah. DCA is kind of just a cool small airport. It works well. Ottawa in many ways is much the same way. Yeah. But do you have a sense of why you think it's been underserved? Do you think? I just think that Montreal and Ottawa are larger catchment areas. That is where carriers... Montreal and Toronto. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, Montreal and Toronto are large catchment areas, and that's where carriers have chosen to put their hub operations. Okay. Um, And therefore, Ottawa suffered. But it is underserved today. Okay. And Montreal, so you mentioned this, and we should talk about this a little bit more. You'll be at Trudeau, you'll be at the main airport, but... uh, I'm going to say it horribly. It's like San Hubert or something. San Hubert, yeah. San Hubert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, across the river, kind of in a different part of town. Yeah. A uh, bunch of little turboprops flying around, I think, today on to some small regional destinations at yeah. most. Yeah, it's not, not a real commercial airport as we would think of it in that context. No. And so, obviously, you have an experience with this in, in city uh, where you like the alternate airport. But in city, it's right next to downtown. Right. It's the most convenient place. It, you know that that was a whole different story. So, what was it about Saint Hubert that you said, "Oh yeah, let's do that"? Yeah, I think I think for me to talk about Saint Hubert for a moment, let's talk about Billy Bishop. So, Billy Bishop was interesting because it was at the steps of downtown Toronto, and so it created a very unique value proposition for those getting to and from Toronto on business, and that's how Porter started. Over the years, downtown Toronto has become very residential. Not sure if you've been there. Yeah. Uh, and so we have a nice mix of business and leisure traffic now that goes out of Billy Bishop. But because of the location of where Billy Bishop is, it's sitting on the, you know, in the lake at the steps of downtown. In a catchment area of roughly 7 million people, Billy Bishop is convenient for about 1.2 million people. Okay. So it's a nice business that operates well. But in the vast majority of Toronto, Billy Bishop isn't the most convenient airport. Yeah. So now let's switch over to what's happening at St. Hubert. St. Hubert is on the south shore of Montreal, on the other side of the river from downtown. And it is the uh, most convenient airport location for 50% of the catchment area of Montreal. It is technically a few kilometers closer to downtown Montreal than Trudeau is. And so it has its own unique advantages in a catchment area of 5 million people. So actually a larger catchment area than what you think of when you think of Billy Bishop. Um, And so we're going to build a terminal as part of the St. Hubert Airport, which today does not have a terminal facility and therefore doesn't have commercial service, which will turn St. Hubert into a great secondary airport for Montreal. We know many cities uh, have successful secondary airports. Montreal is no reason why it cannot as well. And unlike secondary airports, it's not located outside the city or inconvenient. And it is well situated to serve half of the population of the city, well situated to serve downtown Montreal. And so that is the value proposition of what's being created there. Now, add to the fact, if you've been to Billy Bishop, you understand the unique 
passenger experience that we create. We created a lounge concept there. Um, it's very quick from curb to gate. We're going to do the same thing in Montreal. Uh, and so when you take into account the curb to gate benefit of a small airport, now you find that Montreal St. Hubert is the most convenient option for 70% of the catchment area of Montreal. Now, here's what's different though compared to Toronto is that Billy Bishop, you can only do props. There's only so much you can do. Pearson, you can do anything. Uh, in Montreal though, you're gonna be serving, serving two airports where you can do everything from either one, right? How do you decide what to serve from which? Is it a, we're gonna serve them both the same or you know, how, how does that? Our, our, our model right now, I mean, obviously we've got to launch St. Hubert. We're going to have to develop awareness of St. Hubert. We had to do that with Billy Bishop. It took us years to do that. So we will develop that. But I'll talk about what the strategy is at this point. Obviously, we have to launch the airport itself. Today, we have two successful operations, one at Billy Bishop and one at Toronto Pearson. They do serve different parts of the catchment area of Toronto, and both are functioning well. They're not cannibalizing each other for all intents and purposes. You either love Billy Bishop or you love Trude uh, uh, sorry Pearson. And so that we expect that same model to happen. We will develop St. Hubert as a domestic only airport, which is what it is. It does not have international service. We will serve the core domestic markets from St. Hubert. We can work regionally with the Dash 8 as well. We will connect in with a uh, co-chair with Pascan to serve Quebec. So they will have its own um, value proposition and its own network. And then when you look at Trudeau, what's interesting about Trudeau, it has its own catchment area. And we have an interesting partner at Trudeau, which is Transat. And we can, we can talk about Transat. But now that creates a whole different dynamic of what's happening at Trudeau Airport, which is separate from what's happening uh, at St. Hubert. Yeah. So maybe we should chat about well, we can Transat for a minute. <laughs> we can. I'll get to that in a second. But um, for St. Hubert, so I just want to clarify. You said domestic only. That's right. Non-international also means no transport. No transport. Right? That's correct. You know, because it's such a weird yep. sort of international that market. Weird that's a weird Canada uh, thing. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's that. But yes, Transat. So you had a a relationship with them before. Now you've decided you're going joint venture with right. them. That's right. Um, you know, they, they're a very different kind of airline. They're much more leisure focused. That's right. Uh, infrequent, often, depending on the routes. Uh, you know, compared to you, where frequency seems to be an uh, important yeah. part of what you're doing. That's right. So where where does this intersect for you guys? Where's the real benefit going to come? You know, I, I'm not going to talk specifically about Transat's own business transformation, but they are going through their own business transformation strategy as well, um, really becoming uh, a strong network carrier that is focusing on the transatlantic, a bit different from their past. I won't talk too much about that. Um, but as they're going through their business transformation, they are looking at how are they deploying their fleet. And the best utilization of their fleet is on the transatlantic. And then in the, in the winter, they do their swing south like all Canadians do. And so what a beautiful thing then to take Porter, which has no interest in serving the transatlantic, and taking our transcon and regional network, including transborder, which can occur at Trudeau, and now feeding their network at both Pearson and Trudeau. So we become the domestic and the transborder feed to a transatlantic network run by them in both Toronto and in Montreal. We do not overlap. It's completely an opportunity to feed each other without cannibalizing. For that reason, we chose to create a joint venture because of the issues around antitrust. Domestically, we weren't worried about concerns like that. 
And so we're going to take that deeper now. We're going to build a network at, at Trudeau and at Montreal. It's going to connect well for each other and feed each other's networks. And that's what's different at Trudeau versus St. Hubert in Montreal. is a completely different network strategy than what we'll do at St. Hubert. So you're going to be... Will you be retiming flights to try and connect to them Absolutely. over time? So this is all, this is really a fully That's what you get to do in a joint venture, right? right? You get to work together on scheduling. You get to work together on pricing. Uh, so we will, working together, provide Canadians with another real competitive option when they need to fly transatlantic. All Canadians, not just those in Eastern Canada. And how do you, how do you combine that? I mean, I, I think of your product is a more premium product i understand i mean we're sitting here in the last row legroom's fine but you know it's 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 not uh anything remarkable but it's different than what i think the traditional transat product a lot of people think of you know those a330s have those extra seats in there they're they're pretty tight in there uh maybe less included on a ticket with transat traditionally um, especially when you think about uh, perceptions in the market, it's much more of a vacation package type of operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that you know that there's going to be an issue with your customers expecting something different, or their customers? Well, I guess it's not an issue if their customers come to you and get more than they expected. But uh, do the products match? Yeah, again, I, I don't want to talk too much for for what Air Transat's thinking, but um, you, you reference them as being a package provider. They're they're working to move away from those routes and into a scheduled carrier. They're making their own investments in their product as well. They have their own strategies, and so I think when people think of what Transat Air Transat was pre-COVID to where they're going, one should not assume where they've got where they were is where they're headed. So I think that I'll just leave it at, at that. So one should keep a, a fresh mind on what they're trying to do. That said, um, Porter's strategy is we are an all-economy carrier. And uh, unlike what other carriers think, when you think about an economy carrier, people automatically go to an ultra-low-cost carrier or an LCC, and they think, oh, price-sensitive economy. That's all you're going after. And I'm just talking about Porter right now. We don't view the world of economy in that way. You know, 90% of business travelers fly in economy. And so... We look at the economy segment of the market and we see a big chunk of business travelers who have flown us as Porter before and will continue to fly us now. We have a premium economy product, which we call Porter Reserve and position as as all-inclusive economy. It has its own segment of the market, which is people who may fly business class and are interested in an alternative or fly an economy and want an enhanced experience. And then you have a more price-sensitive leisure traveler and oh by the way we have basic economy and it does quite well so we are an economy carrier and in many ways that is what air transat is as well they they are heavy in the economy space they focus on leisure leisure and vacation passengers but they're also working to build year-round service increase frequency and so they're working on their own business model i think the two complement each other very well because you're not looking at two completely different concepts of what our brands are yeah we're unique we're different porters different from air transat but i think from a consumer and the economy concept it's very familiar okay um so if i'm I'm thinking about just the dynamics of canada uh, over the last few years we've seen the the number two in the market really shift back toward the west um, that's a stated goal. Alberta has been a part of that. Creates opportunity in the East in theory, except the reason they're leaving the East is because it wasn't working for them. 
you've been in the East for a long time, obviously, uh, but as a very different kind of carrier. So, you know, how, how do you see the opportunity? Obviously, you can't speak for WestJet, but, you know, where one carrier, it may not have worked, you see a different opportunity. How does it work for you guys? So, uh, you know, a lot of people look at Canada and we acknowledge who the number two carrier is today. Um, but if you look at Eastern Canada and the markets that Porter flew, Porter was the number two carrier in every single market that we flew with WestJet as the number three. So what's different about Eastern Canada is we are a different carrier in a different market position in, Can in Eastern Canada. And why, did we, why were we able to achieve that number two position? It starts with the roots of Billy Bishop. And it starts with the roots that Porter targeted business travelers and SMEs that were going to downtown Toronto. And as a result of that, Porter had corporate agreements with every single major corporation in Eastern Canada. And so we built a strong base in that way. Now, our network over the years has expanded beyond Billy Bishop. I mean, from Ottawa, from Montreal, from Halifax, we, we cover the whole region uh, with, the, with the Dash 8. And even in markets where you know Billy Bishop wasn't there, we were still the number two carrier in every market. We start this expansion as a strong number two player in Eastern Canada. We are building upon that success of what we're trying to do. So your, 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 your reference of, you know, the other carrier headed back west and focusing in their strengths, good for them. Uh, but we were already building on strengths that we had in Eastern Canada that they didn't have. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. But before we do, I just have one question. Where do you keep the raccoon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do we keep the raccoon? See on the plane? Wow. See? I cannot tell you the answer to that question uh, because so many people love that guy that if they actually found him, we might lose him. Uh, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate it. So what do you think? It's a big risk. Porter's got a lot of airplanes coming in. It's a big change from their previous plan. Will it work? Kevin's pretty confident, obviously, but I guess we'll find out in time. That's all for this week. Until next time.